me this morning to Romans chapter 3. I appreciate, especially appreciated that, that song, Same God. Oh God, our God, I need you. And I was just praying. Sorry, Brad, I didn't wait on you to pray. Uh, started praying bef- during that song about all the people in my family right now that's just needing the, the Lord. So uh, I hope that was a blessing to you. Um, the title of the message this morning is Justified. What does it mean to be justified? Well, it's both a legal term and an accounting term, and I like to illustrate it this way. When, I w- when we were missionaries in Brazil, at uh, Christmas time one year, um, we'd had a gift exchange, and I got for a Christmas gift accounting software. I know, real exciting stuff. But I put it on my computer, and I've been using it ever since. And one thing I've learned about that software is that I can cheat. I mean, what I can do is, at the end of the day, if the accounts don't balance, I can't put balance, and it will reconcile everything. It will justify it. Is it really done? Looks like it. But probably not. But what was not balanced, the software declared balanced or justified. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ does for us. He justifies us. That is, if we by faith receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, He justifies us. He makes us right with God. He declares us righteous. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, He made Him, God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin for us. That means that God took our sin and put it on Jesus, and we got his righteousness. Now, that idea was not new with Paul. It came from Isaiah. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We're all sinners. We've turned everyone to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him the sin of all of us. And that's what justification is. God took our sin, put it on Jesus, and gave us his righteousness. And so we're declared right with God. Now, we're continuing our series in the book of Romans. And if you remember, the theme of the book of Romans is justification by faith. We're made right with God by faith. And we've been talking about three different, so far two different men that tried to live their life either apart for God, apart from God, or to to compare themselves to others to make say, well, I'm just as good as that person, so I must be good. Paul begins the first part of Romans talking about how to be justified. Then later, after the first part of it, uh, he gets down to how the justified are to live. In other words, the first part is the theological part, what we're supposed to do. Then the last half of it is application, and we'll get to that later. Right now we're going to talk about the justification part. Paul begins chapter 1. First, he tells who he is, because some of them in Rome probably hadn't heard of him. Tells about his call to to be an apostle and his ministry to the Gentiles. And then he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. But not everybody believes. So God goes on, or Paul goes on to talk about God's judgment on the ungodly and the unrighteous. Those are the people that have never surrendered their life to Christ. 
Many of them are outright wicked, but some of them are even good people. But Paul says they will be judged because they've never received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Paul tells us three times in that passage when he talks about the ungodly and unrighteous that because of man's rebellion, God has turned them over uh, to their ungodly lusts, to their passions, and their depravity. And he says that all unrighteous will be judged, even those who've never heard about, about Jesus. They'll be judged by the truth. How can he judge those that have never heard about Jesus? Because God has placed in the heart of every man the knowledge of him. In fact, if you go to every society, even the most pagan society on earth, they know there's a God. They know that he's a big God. He's in charge of everything. And they know that he judges sin. So Paul says, first, there's this group of people that will be judged. We saw on the video about from the IMB that there are 8 billion people in the world today. Uh, over two-thirds of them have never heard the gospel. Let me just say, when Jesus talks about the gate being wide that leads to destruction, and many there are that enter by it, uh, talks about the fact that many in this world will be judged and will be separated from God eternally. Then Paul turns to talk about a second group of people. He talks about those that say, well, I'm better than that person and that person and that person. Therefore, I must be okay. Now, I may be better than somebody, but the standard is not somebody. The standard is Jesus. Paul says, Excuse me, Jesus says, be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And of all the people born on this earth, there's only one perfect, and that's Jesus. And so he is the standard. And so Paul says, no matter how self-righteous I think I am, no matter how good I think I am, no matter how much better I am than that person over there, that's not a reason to get into heaven because that doesn't make righteous. And then Paul turns to the Lord's dealing with the religious, which is what we're going to try and uh, which is what we're going to look at today. Uh, the religious are those that try to earn their way into heaven. They say, well, I'll do this and do this and do this. For the Jews, it's keep the law, uh, do this and do this. And then God has to let me into heaven. Really? No, that's not what the scripture says. So all that's the background to our text this morning. So if you'd stand, we're going to begin reading with, with uh, Romans chapter 3. We're going to look at, at parts of chapter 2 and all of chapter 3, and we're going to try and squeeze it all in, in in the next 30 or so minutes. So Paul says, so what advantage does the Jew have? But what's the benefit of circumcision? Considerable in every way. First, the Jews were entrusted with the very words of God. Some translations say the oracles of God. What then? If some were unfaithful, will that unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Absolutely not. Let God be true even though everyone is a liar. As it's written... 
that you may be justified in your words and triumph when you judge. But if our unrighteousness highlights God's righteousness, what are we to say? I am using a human argument. Is God unrighteous to inflict wrath? Absolutely not. Otherwise, how will God judge the world? But if by my lie God's truth abounds to his glory, why am I also still being judged as a sinner? And why not say, just as some people slanderously claim, we say, let's do what's evil so that good may come. Their condemnation is deserved. Father, these words seem confusing. So, Father, help us to, to understand, to break them down so that we can apply them to our lives and know, Father, how we can live to please you and for you to be glorified in our lives. And Father, we just praise you. And when your spirit speaks, Father, may we say, yes, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. So Paul begins with this question. What advantage does the Jew have? And what's the good of circumcision? Have you ever noticed how much Paul talks about the Jews? And he talks about the law. And he talks about the Old Testament. And yet the church at Rome is considered to be mostly a Gentile church. Why would he do that? Why would it interest us as New Testament believers that are all Gentiles? Why would it interest us to want to know what the Bible says to Jews and uh, uh, about the law and about circumcision? Because as, as we're going to see a little bit later, Salvation comes from the Jews. The whole background of, of the New Testament, it comes from the Old Testament. In fact, I believe that what we read in the Old Testament is all foreshadowing, pointing to Jesus. Even all the way back to Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That word God in English is singular. In Hebrew, it's plural. In the beginning, God. Now, we don't serve three gods, but we serve one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So even back in Genesis 1-1, when it talks about the creation, we're told about Jesus. His name just isn't mentioned. And all throughout the Old Testament, it points to Jesus. So when Paul talks about the law and talks about circumcision and talks about the Jews, he's pointing to things that point us to life in Christ and why we need Jesus. Now, as I said, we're going to cover parts of chapter 2 and all of chapter 3, Well, though we didn't read it. Um, the end of chapter 2 is kind of an introduction to chapter 3. So flip back there. I want you to keep your Bibles open. Uh, flip back there to verse 17. Again, Paul, ask another question. Now, if you call yourself a Jew, and you rely on the law, and you boast in God, and you know His will, and approve the things that are superior being instructed from the law, and if you're convinced that you're a guide for the blind, a light to those in darkness, an instructor of the ignorant, a teacher of the immature, uh, having the embodiment of knowledge and truth in the law, then you then, who teach another, don't you teach yourself? That was a long sentence. Paul says, 
you claim all these things. You, you, you bear the name of Jew. That means you're a descendant of the tribe of, uh, uh, of Judah. You're part of the, of, of the Jews who trace their lineage all the way back to Abraham, to whom God gave the promise, and you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. He said, I'll bless you, and everyone that blesses you, I'll bless, and everyone that curses you, I'll curse. So they're, they're God's people. But listen to this. No one is saved by their heritage. Some of you have godly parents and grandparents and great-grandparents, and and. They're very godly people, active in their church, maybe even served on church staffs or, or were active in leading people to Christ, maybe led you to Christ. But no one is saved because of the heritage of their family. All need to come to Jesus as the Lord and Savior. Somebody said a long time ago, I remember this, God has no grandchildren. I've got grandkids. God doesn't. They're all children or they're not. So, uh, second, he talks about them. You rely upon the law. God first revealed himself to the Jews and he gave them the law. Uh, but for the Jews, they put their trust for eternal life in keeping the law. And no one is saved by keeping the rules. I don't care how good you are. You could be Mother Teresa good. And give your life up for the poor. But you need Jesus. And then it says they, they boasted in God because they had, God had chosen Israel. I, I can uh, just imagine all these Israelites out, out in the wilderness. And there probably were about two million divided up into 12 tribes. And they're gathered around this mountain, and God's speaking to Moses up on the mountain. Can you just imagine that? I don't know what God's voice sounded like. I'm sure it was powerful and mighty. And they're looking at each other and saying, that's our God. That's our God. At first, they were kind of afraid of him. So he says, uh, we don't know what happened to Moses. Make us a... Make us an idol so we can worship him. But anyway, that's, they said that's our God. No one is saved by claiming the name of God. Because we need to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And then it says they were instructed by the law. They had the right belief about the law. Here's what they believed. It was the embodiment of knowledge and truth. They believed that. And so they tried to keep it. Of course, they couldn't. They failed over and over and over. But no one is saved just by knowing the Bible. I'm not going to go there. I don't have time to do that. Uh, and verse 20 says, they, they believe they were instructor for the ignorant. Uh, literally, the word means stupid, because that was the attitude that they had towards those that were non-Jews. Uh, but there are a lot of people just like the Jews that claim to be the people of God, and they don't know God. You see, the Jews miss what, what uh, Moses wrote in Genesis, that, that Abraham believed God, and it was, in, it was uh, credited to him as righteousness. 
And twice in three chapters, chapters one to three, Paul writes, we are to be justified by faith. The just shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith, depending upon your translation. Paul says, not only are there Jews the ones that think that they're going to be justified by keeping the laws, but there are people in our churches today and people in our life so we live today. They're good, upright people. I told you a couple of weeks ago about the man that I knew that was a, a right, righteous man or, or a good man. Everybody said that and everybody believed it. But until he prayed to receive Jesus, he was just another good man headed to hell. Often we see people get religious when tragedy strikes. I wasn't here in the United States on 9-11. We were in Mexico. But someone told me that next Sunday and for the next month and a half, churches were filled. Then the crisis passed and people went back to normal or what they considered to be normal. Paul spoke of the religious hypocrisy that they had in, in this passage in, in Romans 2. Um, he said, you, you teach, don't steal, yet you steal. You teach, don't commit adultery, yet you commit adultery. Uh, so we get to chapter 3. Paul's already told them it doesn't do any good to have the law or, or just to have the law because it doesn't make you righteous. So they said, well, what good is it to be, do to be a Jew? What good does it do just to have the law? And I love this passage. Uh, in chapter 3, it says, Great in every way, because they were entrusted with the very words of God. As I said, many translations use the word oracles of God. The, the, the Greek term behind that means the, the utterances of God or God's promises. And so when you look at that, the Jews were blessed because God promised to bless them. I mean, think about it. Uh, they had the blessing of God. God says, I'll bless you. And everyone that blesses you, I'll bless. And everyone that curses you, I'll curse. I believe that's still true today. The Jews were faithful. God was continue blessing them. They had the priesthood of God, which... which God used to offer up the sacrifices so that every person could have their sins covered. Not forgiven, not washed away, but covered. Uh, the Messiah came from the Jews. And so, Paul's conversation with this imaginary person we talked about two weeks ago. Um, so they say, well, if... Our unfaithfulness, oh, if we're unfaithful, will that nullify God's goodness? Will our unfaithfulness nullify God's goodness? Of course not. And then he asks some more questions, and we get down to get down to this passage. Um, they're saying we're good people. We keep the law. And Paul says, "No, you don't. Listen to the Old Testament." We're going to start reading there in, in verse 10. There's none righteous, not even one. There's no one who seeks God. That's from Psalm 53, by the way, and I, the rest of this is from Psalm 53. 
All have turned away. All alike have become worthless. There's no one who does good, not even one. David wrote that. And then Psalm 5, their throat is an open grave. They deceive with their tongues. Psalm 140, viper's venom is under their lips. Psalm 10, their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Isaiah 59, their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and wretchedness are in their paths and the peace, excuse me, the path of peace they have not known. Psalm 36, there's no fear of God before their eyes. They said, we're good people. And Paul says, haven't you read the Bible? Haven't you seen what God's already said? No one can be justified apart from faith. I've got ahead of myself, but I want to make sure I catch up. Paul says in verse 21, if you'll skip down to there, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed, attested by the law and prophets. That means the Old Testament. The whole Old Testament points to righteousness. The righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, since there's no distinction. And this is the fourth person that Paul talks about. Those who are made righteous by faith. And so Paul says uh, they're justified freely by grace through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. God presented him as an atoning sacrifice in his blood, received through faith, to demonstrate His righteousness because in His restraint, God passed over the sins previously committed. In the end of verse 20, He who has faith in Jesus is the one that is righteous. Paul says there's never been a way of salvation any, in any other way except through righteousness, except through faith in Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, we read about the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement was the day that the sacrifices were up, offered up every year to cover up sin, to cover it from God's side. It didn't, it didn't wipe it away. In the New Testament, we read that sin was removed by Christ's sacrifice. When we have faith in Jesus Christ, He takes our sin and He's laid it on Jesus. And we're made righteous. So Paul says, so where's boasting there in verse 27? Where's boasting? Can we boast? Can we say, well, I was good enough? No. Can we say, well, I was baptized? No. Can we say, well, I know the law? No. We can't boast about anything because we're only made right by what? Faith in Jesus Christ. He's excluded by the law, he says. Verse 28, we conclude that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. So Paul says, okay, if my righteousness is by faith, if I'm made right with God by faith, does that mean that I can just live any old way I want to? And then he says, no. On the contrary, we uphold the law. Why? To glorify God. The law was never given to make us right with God. The law was given to let us know that we sinned and know how we can live a right life. But we can never live that life unless we know Jesus is Lord and Savior. 
We don't have the power to live for God without Jesus. Paul says the just will live by faith. Not we'll have just get salvation by faith, but we'll live by faith. As we walk in faith daily, he empowers us to live for Jesus. And that's what this whole passage is about. That's how Paul finishes up the book of Romans. How to live by Jesus day by day by day. It's in the righteousness we have by faith. So the question we come to today is this. In what do we trust for eternal life? Are we like those that Paul says will be judged because we're ungodly and unrighteous? Paul says they have no excuse. God's put within them knowledge of Him within their hearts. Augustine said it this way, God's created a God-shaped void within us that can only be filled by Jesus. Are we like that man? Are we like those that stand back and look around and say, well, I, I'm better than that person or that person? Now, that person over there may be better than me, but, you know, I, I, I'm almost as good. Paul says that doesn't do it. Are you one of those that are trying to justify your life by saying, well, I keep all the rules? When I was a kid, it was, I don't smoke or drink or chew or run around with folks that do. Paul says you might not do that, but it won't get you into heaven. Because keeping the law never saved anyone. Our only hope is faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in the gospel, which, Christ, which means that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. He was buried and rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. Then He was seen by lots of people, so we know it's true. The just will live by faith in what Jesus did for us on the cross. And what are you trusting? Father, I am so thankful that I don't have to juggle all the balls up in the air and try and keep everything up and going so that I can get into heaven someday. I am so thankful that Jesus settled all that on the cross. I am so thankful for that day. September 10th, 1980, 10 a.m., when in my pastor's office, I prayed to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I trusted in Him for eternal life. I stopped trusting in all those things I had done. I stopped trusting in the fact that Mom carried me to church from the time I was a little boy. I stopped trusting in, in everything but Jesus. And I rejoice with others here today that can point back to the time when they said, I remember when I trusted Jesus. It was at this place and at this time. And by faith, they settled it. But Father, if there's anyone here today that's never trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior, they're still trying to trust in their good life and just hoping that they've done enough to get into heaven, that they'll realize They'll never do enough. That they'll receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior today. That they'll surrender their life to Christ. Repent of that old life and turn to Christ. 
And Father, even if they're not here, if they're watching on YouTube, if they'll see it today or see it some other time later, I pray that at that moment they will receive Jesus. Father, we just praise you for the life we have in Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that we can live by faith. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.